Welcome to Engaging Parenting, the Bridgeway podcast on parenting kids and teens. And we're here to talk specifically about that glorious and terrifying work of parenting teenagers in our culture, why being spiritually and culturally informed is essential. And we always like to discuss practical tips on how you can parent confidently and watch your teenagers thrive. And so my name is Pastor Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Cliff, and we have a guest here today. We do. Cliff, tell us a little bit about who's here, what he's going to be talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our guest today is Ryan Huxley, who is a structural engineer, um, a father of two. Um, and his eldest daughter, Grace, is in, in my ministry, and she's awesome. And also, you do a lot of work with Rachel Christie, kind of talking about the apologetics side of stuff. And we're just so excited, Ryan, that you're here on this podcast. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. And so uh, for the past, I would say, a few months, Ryan and I have met up a couple times just discussing youth culture, um, but specifically this idea of apologetics and specifically this idea of the youth exodus. And so today, um, that's, that is our topic. We're going to be talking about the youth exodus and why it's so crucial for us as parents, um, youth ministries, youth workers to really understand why this is a big issue and how, how we can address it. So first big question, Ryan, is what is this thing called the youth exodus and why is it important for us to know? So the youth exodus is something that has been around maybe for about a little more than a decade, decade and a half. Mm -hmm. And essentially it's kind of self-descriptive. So it's Christian youth who are leaving the church. Yeah. And in a nutshell, that's what it is, but it actually can be even more than that. Sadly, we're also seeing them also leaving an orthodox understanding as far as right beliefs about God and Jesus and so on. And then how they actually practice that as well. So orthopraxy, mm-hmm. um, their Christian worldview, they're walking away from that and biblical practice and even morality. So there's these different layers where we're seeing them exiting from a traditional understanding of Christianity and then how that influences their lives. Mm, that's, yeah, that's super good. I mean, I, I've seen that so many times in youth group now where, um, you know, we've had students in the past graduate. Um, I think it was, Specifically, two years ago, there was this one specific student that I thought was really, truly going to thrive um, outside of high school, the high school context. But as soon as as she graduated, um, just she decided not to go to church anymore. And, you know, we hear this word youth exodus and we think it's something that's really grandiose. And it's like, you got to be smart to understand what it is. But in a nutshell, it's kids leaving the church as soon as they leave high school, as soon, soon as they leave their context of, of their home. And as parents of teenagers, we need to know that this is something potentially that our kids are going to face one day. Yeah. Well, and I think what's good about you talking about how it's three different kind of components, almost levels, is because like there's a lot of kids that they stop coming to church and that's one portion of it. But then there's some that their parents will make them or they'll go to church. But that orthodoxy, that Christian worldview is not there. And so they're going, they're attending, but nothing's happening or the other side, the biblical practice, the orthopraxy isn't there. And so so what's hard is that you're talking about pretty much every type of student that can be in a church youth ministry um, is usually in one of these places. That, yeah. um, you know, and so the only other category we would add if, if it was the youth presence, or I don't know what the opposite of Exodus is. Um, <laughs> uh, trying to, I was trying to come Genesis? up with something. Uh, well, no. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. So, <laughs> Um, trying to just use biblical. Uh, I was, yeah, I was trying to, but nothing names. was like you know, <laughs> Egyptians. No, uh, you know, but like there's other than the only other category you would have is the students that are there. They're at church and they're, they're holding with an orthodoxy and an orthopraxy. And so that's where 
the amount though that are having this exodus is significant, right? This is what you you've been researching and talking about. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a, a a sad fact to realize, but based upon some of the studies that are out there, for example, Barna did a survey back in 2011, and based upon those, it was 59%. So almost six out of ten kids who previously were involved with church no longer were as they were growing up, and they just redid this survey and released some of the data this year. So 2019, and it's gone up a little bit. So now it's 64%. So we're now a little over six out of 10. Yeah. And that's something else that some of the other studies have shown is that even though they may leave once they get out of high school, for the vast majority of them, they actually mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and so on left before they even got there. So this is just like what you were talking about. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That they are Maybe they're physically, emotionally, spiritually, they've checked out already. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes way early. So the the question that comes up, Ryan, is that like a lot of people go, well, yeah, but my kids, like they, their relationship with Jesus might be good or they might see how they're thriving. So why should why should they be concerned if they feel like they're seeing fruit and activity? Like why why should all parents care about this overall piece? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question because a lot of parents may think, oh, well, my relationship with Christ is okay. My kid's relationship with Christ is okay. What else do I need to worry about? Well, are you or your kids an island in the world? Yeah. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. And therefore, what is one of the things that Christ commanded of us? Go out into all the world. And also, when we think about what is it one of the things that the church often encourages and what Christ often encourages is community. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be isolated Christians. Yeah. That's not what we're supposed to be. How can we show the love of God that God has for others without interacting with them? And so that's one of the reasons we should be concerned about other kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's super good. And again, we're talking about this idea of why, why are students leaving? I mean, I saw a quote that, that Ryan sh- showed me that 78% of teens that leave the church come from a Christian upbringing. And I mean, I read that statistics and I'm just like, man, why is that? Um, and I wish on this podcast, I can tell you parents exactly why um, 78% of teens that leave the church come from a Christian upbringing. This is why. I really don't. Um, part of me says it's probably just this knack of rebellion. Um, if the kid is forced into Christianity, forced into a relationship with Jesus and not actually choosing for themselves, as soon as they get out of the, the family parent um, um, dynamic, uh, they're like, well, I want to run the opposite direction. But my question for both of you guys, why, why do you think that statistic is so high? Like, why, why do we keep seeing that? Well, there's quite a few different studies out there that sometimes will get input from those who left, why they left, so you can get it in their own words. Yeah. And then you can also start to dig into some of the underlying reasons behind that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, there can be a wide variety of reasons based upon which book, book you look at, but then they do start to, when you start looking at, at all of these different studies, you do start to see some common themes arising with them. Yeah. So, for example, with the, exam, with the number that you're giving, with the 78%, uh, from that particular study that I think that you're probably referring to, uh, I believe it was from a Pew Research study, yeah, and it was from just 2016. And these are people who now identify as nuns, not like nuns who wear a hat, <laughs> but N O N E S, exactly. Yeah. And so they no longer identify with any particular religion. Um, now that doesn't necessarily mean they're not Christian anymore, if they previously were, but 
Here are several reasons that Barna identified in some of their studies based upon the feedback that they received from those that they interviewed and yeah. did the survey with. It's good. So one of them is that the church seems overprotective. Hmm. I'm going to just kind of maybe blast through these and then we can decide how much yeah. we want to go into them. So, yeah, perfect. So the second would be that the church, that they have a shallow experience of Christianity and what they're exposed to. Another one is that churches seem antagonistic towards science. Mm-hmm. And church attitude towards sexuality just seems simplistic and judgmental. And then here's a rather significant one, especially in today's world with relativism. I know we'll talk about that in a little Uh bit, but the exclusive nature of Christianity, in other words, Jesus is the only way that can set off people in a big way nowadays. Yeah. It's not very tolerant. Nope. (laughs) And the church feels unfriendly to doubters. So of these reasons, about four of them actually are somewhat related to apologetics. Mm -hmm. So I know that we'll perhaps talk a little bit more about that, but anyhow. Yeah. So those are some of wide-ranging reasons there. Yeah, I mean, when you when you say all of those things, I mean, I the first three or four had to do with the church and what the church is saying and doing. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, I, I read that, I'm like, man, how how can the church you know even do a, a better job? I mean, I think one of the things is just taking this um, not only issue but this whole idea of knowing the Bible. Um, really, really seriously, like knowing truly what, what God is trying to say and what Jesus is trying to communicate with us on a daily basis. Cause I really think, again, even as Ryan, you, you said that whole list, I'm thinking in my heart, like these students need to understand that this Christianity thing is for themselves just as much as everybody else. Mm -hmm. And you, we talk about these nuns, N-O-N-E-S, um, right. Who, who are leaving and they don't want to be with any religion and the exclusive exclusivity of, of Jesus, but that's not what Jesus is trying to communicate. It's yes, it's me. I am, I'm the way, the truth and the life, but he's also saying, I have, I'm enough for you, you know? And I think a lot of times students miss that because of what culture is communicating. Like Mm -hmm. one person isn't enough. Everybody's opinions matter. There isn't necessarily a universal truth. Pastor Matt, I don't know if you... Yeah, no, I mean, you know, story after story comes to my mind, I'm sure for you as well. And Ryan, you probably have a number as well of just each of these, you know. And I I remember in Kinnaman's book that Barna has on this, they use a lot of like fleshed out examples, but I just think of students that you know, they would, they would talk to you, they would share, and sometimes you would only get like a fragment, but they would share something, whether it was about um, a a home environment where the parents were extra overprotective, like more moral wise. So the student was rebelling, like, like reacting to that. Um, Students that they looked at a lot of the hypocritical aspect of other Christians. And so they went, you know, I I looked at that and, and that's to me, one of the ways that the shallow experience came out is that sometimes it was the shallow experience in the program and sometimes it was the shallow experience with, at home. The, with the Christians yeah. or, or just with other Christians. Yeah. So they would come and they would be around other teens and go, hey, none of them are really serious about what they believe or what they practice. And so they take that, plus they look at the the low, sometimes engaging aspect of the teaching in a, in a youth ministry and go, I, I, this, isn't, this isn't deep. And, and I think that's something that youth ministry made some mistakes on for a number of years is that we didn't we thought that teens needed to be taught at a child level and they were ready to talk deeper because they actually were starting to function as adults. And so they wanted that depth. They wanted to know more about Jesus, 
Um, and then, yeah, like the, each of these, we could keep going, right? Um, the stories of students that they struggled with the scientific questions. I remember a girl in our youth group that I probably talked to her 10 different times about the whole dinosaur thing. <laughs> and it was a huge like, her. Yeah. piece for her. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't mind it because every time we had really good conversation, yeah. but it, it kept coming back up for her because she still couldn't, because of what she was learning and hearing, she could not grasp why we had, we were still like, you know, saying that this is how something has happened. And, and to me, I thought I was very accommodating and going like, here's how I see it working in multiple ways yeah. within the scriptures. And, uh, and then, yeah, we could keep going, uh, you know, with each of these. And so, so yeah, the, the thing is, is, and I think all you parents that are probably listening as well, you know, that a lot of people have seen this and then, you know, what's great about what Ryan's been doing is that there's a lot of people that have been researching this and, and so everybody's agreeing upon the same thing that they're seeing, that there's this exodus happening and there's reasons behind the exodus and we can't just ignore it. And, uh, you know, and, and I like one of the questions that Ryan has is he says, you know, some people assume, isn't it normal for youth to leave church during early adulthood? Isn't this part of the the stage? Can you elaborate a little bit on that where when people kind of assume that or go to that? Yeah. So, or that they'll eventually come back? Yeah. So some, some people may think, oh, well, this is normal. This is how it's often been where kids will leave after they are in high school or maybe as they get, once they get their license, then they're out of there and so on. And so, uh, or that they will come back after they have kids and so on. So, so these are some of the common thinking that's out there, but it turns out that the numbers are not showing that to be the case. And that's the sad truth of it. And if you say, well, how can you really know? Well, we can look back on some prior studies that didn't necessarily get into this level of detail that a lot of the more current modern studies in the 2000s and in 20 teens and so on. But some of the earlier studies that were roughly from 1976 until about 1996, when they were looking at just 12th graders, about two thirds of them did not necessarily feel alienated from religion. Hmm. Um, and then if you go back to even before the 50s, apparently that this, this issue about the exodus wasn't really happening. Um, so this seems to be something that's more current uh, in the last couple of decades, maybe. And as far as coming back, well, because kids are so often now postponing getting married and so on, and now we have this this idea of emerging adulthood and young adults and so on, and that their lives are so many milestones that used to be there that many of us as parents or uh, the grandparents went through those are being delayed longer and longer. And yeah. so if they're away for that longer, longer period of time, maybe they just won't come back. And so that's yeah. what we're now finding. Yeah. Pro prolonged adolescence and delayed of all, delay of all those pieces. <laughs> yeah. So, which to me, I, I, this isn't on our notes or whatever. It makes me think about those contexts where I'm like, huh, like what about these families where their kids are still in their mid twenties or late twenties and they're living with them, but they're still, in, in a sense, they've had this exodus spiritually, um, intellectually, you know, morally, and yet the parents are still in that dynamic of they want them to go. And I'm sure there's some of you parents that you have kids in that stage that are listening. Yeah. And this isn't on our notes either, but what that makes me think of <laughs> we, is, we like to go off our notes yeah. if you're not oh. listening. Uh, <laughs> um, is this idea that you don't find yourself until after high school. And so what I mean by that is you don't truly know who you are until you get to be on your own. Um, and that's something that honestly, I don't think families talk about, um, but it's true because it's like when you turn 18, what does everybody tell you? Oh, you're finally an adult. When you turn 21, what does everybody tell you? Oh, you're finally legal. 
You know, it's like you're always waiting for a milestone. And once you get to that milestone, you'll figure out who you're, who you are. But in youth ministries, I know in our group, like we talk about all the time, what our identity is. We're, we're sons and daughters of the King. Like that's who we are. That's never going to change no matter how old we are, no matter how many times you can drive or when we're able to, you know, drink alcohol publicly, you know, one day, like it, our identity is always going to be the same. And I think, you know, off those statistics that you said, I think that's en- ends up happening is okay. Now that I'm out of the house where my parents are, I can finally become my own person. And when we start having that mentality, um, we don't want to go to church because that's what our parents did. And so that's why it's so crucial to find that relationship with Jesus for yourself as a teenager rather than your parents. Yeah. Um, Now, one of the things, Ryan, that you have spent some time doing a bit of research in is the aspect of, and and I think this is on on part of the PowerPoint you have, I think it was the one you mentioned is it's like slide 46, 51, 52, where it's just talking about that orthodoxy, orthopraxy happening over time. And just that drop of the basic beliefs the level of doctrine, the level of worldview, the level of religious practice, and then kind of where everyone is. Um, and can you unpack that a little bit for, because obviously people can't see your PowerPoint, they can't see your notes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, it's it's from a book that um, he's he's read and studied called Cultural Captives. And, uh, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a really important piece because it's, it has to do with that whole issue of the reasons he was giving for why people left. And so can you expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, so with regards to some of the books that are out there and available, so the one that you just mentioned, The Cultural Captives, does a really good job in that, uh, if I was to give a maybe a, a plug for a single book, it might be for that one uh, to better understand the Christian youth exodus, because in reading that one book, you're getting six, six studies in one book. So that's uh, kind of a nice feature of that, um, at least for understanding those. So one of the things that was really interesting that was done in that book was when we normally was really digging deeper into the statistics and those answers that people provided and following them uh, even further than the surveys normally do. So normally when you look at a survey and people say, oh, well, what are your thoughts on, say, a basic understanding about God and Jesus and heaven and hell? And when you see those just as individual questions, oftentimes the, the results are often pretty high. The majority of those surveyed are in agreement with that. And then you think, well, gee, if that's the case, why is the world or why does it seem like our society is so antagonistic towards Christians? Why why is that? And why does it seem like so often there seems to be a disconnect between the way the world, our world and culture we find ourselves versus what we would understand uh, biblical or orthodox Uh understanding to be? And so one of the things that he does a great job of illustrating through some of these uh, graphs is he'll look at the cumulative beliefs in the sense of, do they believe in this and this and this and this? And it's when you start looking at those cumulative beliefs, suddenly the numbers start to get lower and lower and lower and lower, the more you add and, and, and pretty soon you find that you're only in the 10 percentiles, maybe single percents. And then even for some of these, if you try and put them all together, you're like at 1%. And suddenly it becomes clear, oh my gosh, this is why things are so messed up. This is why so many of the youth maybe are leaving. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, uh, so like what is, what's the role then of Christian belief and practice within, you know, because that's the piece, those pieces of that study, like what, what have you seen in the stuff you've been researching 
exploring, practicing, you know, what is that role of Christian belief in practice? Yeah, so as far as the idea about orthodoxy, so that's just a fancy word for right belief, essentially. So mm-hmm. that's the $20 term, so to speak, and it's uh, essentially tied up with what is an, uh, a proper understanding of a Christian worldview. And we see those as il- exemplified in some of the early church creeds, as far as the uh, Apostles' Creed, the Chalcedon- the Chalcedonian Creed, and the Nicene Creed, and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. And so we see what those basic beliefs are. And the reason that they established those basic beliefs was because they wanted to make sure, okay, these are the core ideas that make up Christianity. Uh, because sometimes people were arguing about things that just didn't really matter. <laughs> or sometimes, sadly, dying. <laughs> Becoming, let's die on that hill. Well, that's not really a hill worth dying on. You're not even yeah. on a hill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so it's, that, that, it's understanding what those foundational beliefs are, uh, basic tenets that make up a Christian worldview. Some of them are, are more important than others even. Um, and so we're finding that, that a lot of the youth don't have a good understanding about what those are. Um, oftentimes they end up buying into what amounts to, uh, even when it comes to the gospel, uh, some people have commented how the gospel for them, as the late Dallas Willard put it, uh, it's the gospel of sin management, yeah. the, of do's and don'ts, and that's not the gospel. Yeah. And it's based upon some of the things that they're learning in church and so on. So it's that lack of understanding of those primary versus secondary doctrines, what those are, the foundational concepts that make up a Christian worldview, how we view the world and universe. And then even more than that, given that we believe that, how does that inform our daily life? How does it inform our actions, our decisions, how we treat others and so on? So that's that orthopraxy. So how do we practice what we believe? That's right practice. And that's where we see a significant disconnect. So not only are people having a lack of understanding of what the proper what the t- foundational tenets are, but then for those that even do, carrying those out and how they live their life, that's where we really get significant problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to take it real youth pastory right now. I'm going to take what you said and give an example because that's what youth I pastors do. Um, so imagine imagine this for a second. You um, tell your 17, 18-year-old daughter and, you, and she comes up to in your room and she's like, mom, dad, um, I want to I date this guy. And you ask her, you ask her, Hey, why do you want to date this person? And she's like, Oh, well, he's nice. Um, he's cute. He's cute. Um, all, and all those things. And then you ask them very important question. Um, is, is he the type of person that you want to spend the rest of your life with? And she's like, Oh, well, I don't know. And you, I, I think some of you know where I'm going with this. Uh, I think anytime you um, want to get into a very serious relationship, you want to write down the non-negotiables, the things that you know, no matter what, um, in the person that you're dating and going to marry, this person has to have these things or I will not be in relationship with them. And in the same context, uh, when we're talking about the Christian faith, is it's really crucial for us to know what the non-negotiables are. Um, we know that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, that's the number one thing, right? And that's where what I'm hearing from what Ryan is talking about is it's it's this idea of we're really pushing relationship because if we push relationship, that means we're not going to die on some random hill. 
um, and we're going to lose that relationship with that person, but we're also going to speak in truth. When we know what true doctrine is and when we know how to practice it, that's that's where the, the harmony comes in play. Because when we know what our goals are, when we know uh, what our non-negotiables are in the Christian faith, then we can come to a person who not, doesn't necessarily agree with us. And we can maybe say, I agree to disagree on this topic, but this one over here, I, I can't, I can't agree to disagree. Yeah. So we got to know what those things are. And that's why some of those things that you guys heard Ryan talking about the creeds, what was good about them, especially the apostles creed and the Nicene creed is they were very centered on the, and I, I call them the basics, but they are like the essentials yeah. because it was the nature of God, the nature of Jesus, the nature of the Holy spirit. And then it was talking about the, the real life activity of Jesus, his real death, his resurrection. And then it was on like the core elements of the life of the church and the community and what forgiveness of sins means and, and all those pieces. And, and they, so sometimes when people hear the term doctrine or they hear the, the term Christian beliefs, they start thinking about all the, well, it's, you know, is it the, you know, is it the creation versus evolution stuff? Or is it the, the communion stuff of, you know, is this really the blood and, blood and, and body or, <laughs> yeah. and, and what happens? Or is it the worship style? Like, like yeah. this is where people forget that those aren't the core tenets. Those aren't the core beliefs. So when, when these things come up, it's going to, you know, do people realize these, these key pieces of the scriptures and then what they lead us into in that relationship towards how we practice our faith. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's where like, I think the Dallas Willard quote is really good because people end up thinking that it's all sin management and they miss the fact that, you know, these are relationship pieces that you practice it because of your understanding of who you're in relationship with and what they call you to. It's not because you're trying to please mom and dad or please your youth pastor or please your church that you're following all the main rules, right? And, uh, and, and this is, and, and then I would say sadly, and, and this isn't picking on you parents, but you know, sadly, I would say my generation and a little bit above me, you know, like we, we kind of struggled because I think the, the slide started happening in the millennials and, and right before it, not the baby boomers, but like that kind of transition. So I would, you know, like I'm 40 and I would say like people 45 and up a lot of them, not obviously this isn't everybody. We started allowing that slide to happen. Um, you know, and so I think what's what's hard is we're seeing some of the repercussions of that as what some of the research is showing, right? Yeah. In terms of the the downward slides. Yeah, it's interesting with when you talk about the the importance of relationship and who we have that with and and how we act. I mean, just think about what what are the primary and secondary commandments that Christ gave? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Mm-hmm. And then after Love that, your neighbor as yourself. Exactly. Your as yourself. So these are sort of the primary foundational aspects about yeah. how we're supposed to, th- these should guide our actions and so on. Um, and so anyhow, so the, yeah, these are key things that should always be at the forefront to ha- help guide as a key vision yeah. for defining these parts. And one last thing I can think of related to this topic, if people are wondering about a, a good resource for helping identify some of those, in addition to just what the creeds are, there's a book that I found very helpful for myself when I was learning about this, and it's by Ron Rhodes and Norm Geisler, and it's called Conviction Without Compromise. Hmm. And if people are thinking, oh my gosh, another book to read, just look at the table of contents. It breaks it up between the primary and secondary. <laughs> just look at the table of contents. You're more than You'll learn a lot there. just from the table of contents. <laughs> and you don't have to buy anything. Just go into Barnes & Noble and just read the table of contents. And Cliff can always just do an audio book where he'll read it for you. Mm. And we'll record that so that These you can... These are the things you need to know. 
<laughs> just like that. Um, so obviously, we're just kind of raising the questions here. Like uh, we're going to end up doing another podcast that will help you also listen to both of these, part one and two, because we're really just raising the questions and that reality that, you know, again, a lot of you know that this is this is happening and that there are people that are researching this and that they're seeing the trends. The numbers are there. And we have to be concerned. We have to be aware because not only you know, do you have to pay attention for your own student, your own teenager, but because their circle of friends, I mean, they might have a close circle of friends of five and three of those five end up having this exodus happen in your life. And then when your son or daughter is talking with them and the why, they're exposed to that. And so that's why we, we want to talk about these and talk about kind of what are the, the pieces, but what we're going to be moving into next podcast is we're going to be talking a little bit about you know, what, what can the church and what can parents do about this? And what are a couple of the other factors that are playing into this? Because we mentioned the term relativism. And, you know, we want to start talking a little bit about what's the cultural milieu that your teens are in. And, you know, how, how, do, we, how do we address this exodus from the church, from family with that? Yeah. And uh, as we close out this, this episode of Engaging Parenting, we're going to end a little differently than, than we normally do. Um, just today, um, we had a kind of local tragedy happen within the youth kind of world uh, without going into too much detail. Um, it's kind of a big deal for some of the teenagers in the area. And I think it would be wise for us to to end this podcast in prayer. Um, but I will say what we always say. If you have any questions for Pastor Matt or myself, uh, please email him at mbock at bridgeway.church or myself at cwoodward at bridgeway.church because we want to address topics on this podcast that you guys care about. So please email us so that we can answer your questions. And as you are driving in your car or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, I'm going to pray for you, for your family, and for this entire region. So Father, we we come before you right now and we just ask for your deliverance, um, God, in every way possible. Lord, you know um, this region of Rockland, Roseville, um, Sacramento area is is one that you love and you care for. And and Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and you overwhelm each and every household in this um, region, God. I pray that um, anxiety is gone right now in the name of Jesus. Depression is gone in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for the parents who are listening um, to this right now. I pray for the youth workers that are listening to this right now. God, I pray that you fill them up with the joy um, of the gospel. God, I pray that you fill them up with the truth of the gospel. And God, as they leave to go about their work day or the rest of the day, God, I pray that you allow them to share the love of Jesus with each other. God, we we pray for these high school campuses specifically. God, has there's, there's so many things that are being influenced on these campuses, so many different things that are, are just vying for these teenagers' attention. But God, we want the main number one thing to be you. But God, use us as the church, use these parents as an avenue for your love to overwhelm the teachers, the administration, and every single teenager that is on these campuses. Lord, no longer um, do we want to see anxiety win. No longer do we want to see depression win or anything like that, Lord. We we know that you are the ultimate victor because you have claimed the victory already, Father. And we thank you for that. We pray all these things in your powerful, powerful name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Engaging Parenting. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Parenting Podcast, hosted by Pastor Matt Bach and Pastor Cliff Woodward, presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. For more information about Bridgeway and other content, visit bridgeway.church.